The Career Establishment's Talent Talk Asia podcast is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. Founded by Asia-based recruiters back in 2012, over a thousand recruitment companies choose Vincere to accelerate their growth. Whether your business is contract, temp, executive search or perm, if you're looking for a new breed of tech partner, talk to Vincere. Visit vincere.com io forward slash talent talk asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast hi i'm andrea ross your host and in this series we feature some of the most successful talents from across the region to discuss the forces opportunities and challenges that are shaping the corporate landscape if you're keen to be a guest on the show then please reach out podcast listeners my guest on talent talk asia today is elliot jackson who is the head of contracting and interim and projects change and transformation it's a very long title isn't it um at morgan mckinley singapore good morning elliot good morning to you too happy new year happy new year how are you i'm very well how are you i'm very well i've got to say everyone to everyone that's listening to this podcast this morning i walk in on Tuesday morning, haven't had time to get a coffee because my taxi was, um, because it just took so long getting into town today. And I just got greeted with about three or four Morgan McKinley um, consultants and managers giving me Happy New Year cuddles. I mean, yeah, Andy Evans comes in with a cuddle. I mean, hello. Yeah. Is this a Morgan McKinley thing? Yeah, we're, we're very welcoming here. Wow. It was awesome. I feel great. I feel like top of the world now. So Amazing. thank you. I Amazing. love it. So thanks very much. You're very um, welcome. Now, we obviously have a little bit of a connection, don't we? We do. We do. Um, so for those that aren't so familiar with Elliot, Elliot's brother, we used to work together, Chris. Yeah. He also wants to be mentioned on this podcast, I feel. <laughs> maybe you need to do one in Hong as well. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So, so, when you, so it's obviously in the family, the whole yeah. recruitment thing. Yeah. So did you get it in, in it before he did or the other no, way No, he's now? older than me. He's older than you. He got me into it. He got you into it. So it's mm. his fault. Mm. Right. Pretty okay. much. Yeah. Okay. I was struggling to get a job and reached out to him. I said, Chris, you work in recruitment. What, you know, what can you do? And then and he went, no, went, you're rubbish. Well, I can't get you anything. Put, well, pretty much. <laughs> Three month internship and then off you go. <laughs> no, it was, uh, yeah, it feels like a long time ago. Actually, yeah, I bet it does. So Eight, talk, me, talk me through your role. Talk me through your role at Morgan McKinley. So everyone that's listening knows what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I run the contract uh, business. So as part of that, we've got technology, commerce and industry, banking and finance. Um, and then we've got the projects and change vertical as well. So okay. BA, PM, contract and perm. Okay. So that was sort of a recent acquisition to my portfolio, basically. Well, quite recently. Yeah. And how many people do you look after as well? Good question. Uh, 17, 18. Wow. I think. Yeah, yeah. That's so, big. Yeah, yeah. Keeps me busy. Yeah. Keeps me out of trouble. What's the harder bit, the people management or the, <laughs> the recruiting? Uh, probably the people management side, I think. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's another podcast. Always, always keeping everybody happy. <laughs> of yeah. course. Yeah. We have to give everyone cuddles when they walk in in the morning. Yeah, I think exactly. everyone should be happy. Exactly. So you haven't always been a contract recruiter. You previously focused on the permanent side when you were working over at Robert Waters in the UK. Mm, and, in, and in Singapore. And in Singapore. So yeah. what made you decide to switch then to contract? Oh, good question. Um, I was going to a lot of meetings at the time and picking a lot of work up that was going down the contract route, mm-hmm. um, which was getting a little bit frustrating because I had to pass it over. And then 
you know, I'd been at Walters for sort of five years, had a really good time there, worked for some really good people. And I just thought the time was right to start looking elsewhere. And then this job came up here to sort of almost grow the contract business from, I mean, Gurdjieff sort of had it for, for, for a period of time and got it from ground zero to maybe right, step Right, okay, one. so it wasn't completely It wasn't completely, completely fresh. Okay. And then there was sort of four or five people doing more account stuff. And then we wanted to sort of launch it properly and take it onto the next level. So that was, I guess that was my job, so... And what were your expectations of that role then when you first... Honestly, I did not have any expectations. <laughs> Gurdjieff even said during the interview process, he was like, this is, this is what it's going to be. This is what it's going to be. I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Came on day one, I'm like, right, I get what you mean now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Luke, it's been, been an interesting four years, interesting journey, or just over four years. Um, you know, it still feels like we've... still feels like I've been here for five minutes, but... You know, I'm probably one of the longest serving people in, in wow. the business. So. That's a good thing. That, that yeah, must, yeah. That's, that's a good testament to the business then, exactly. isn't it? What, what sort of skills do you believe you need to succeed as a contract recruiter versus a perm one in, in Asia specifically? Mm. And sort of share with us why that is. A lot of it is speed and accuracy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you do, <clears throat> people think contracts, uh, you know, can, can be a lot easier than permanent recruitment, which in some aspects, yes, but a lot of the time you do face fierce competition if you're not submitting CVs or, or candidates within a few hours, basically, you're probably going to miss out on the role. So, you know, my guys with 360, um, so you might be out to a meeting and have to rely on sort of someone else being back at desk or you're going to be back in an mm. hour's time to shortlist those, those CVs. So you do have to be, be on, on the ball. Um, you do have to be quite nimble, quite creative. You do have to... Um, yeah, you just have to be on the ball. So you have you to know your candidate pool really well. So does that mean you have to you have to interview every candidate? We do, yeah. So every candidate that we send to a job, we, we will meet. You so, will meet? Yeah, so right, my guys okay. are often here till sort of eight, nine o'clock most nights, either meeting candidates or doing the onboarding or making sure that we've got that face-to-face contact with, with those contractors or candidates, if you like. Wow, okay. And is it a specific industries that you tend to find that they want the turnaround times to be sort of a few hours? I mean, that seems All. pretty intense. All. All of them. Mainly the banking and finance space is, is more fast-paced yeah. because sort of what we call MSPs. Yeah. You know, role will get released to four or five agencies and if the CV is not shortlisted within a few hours, you're probably going to miss out. Um, right. Technology is not too far behind as well. Um, and obviously that possesses its own challenges, which we can sort of go into at a later date. The commerce world, so HR, supply chain, business support, sales and marketing, typically is a little bit slower because it's less MSP focused, mm. but clients will still want candidates within you know, a few hours. I, right. I placed one last year that was, picked the job up at nine o'clock in the morning, uh, interviewed over lunchtime, placement uh, in the afternoon, which was supposed to be a six month contract they offered a perm role. Wow. So the Craig David of recruitment was back. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so it can happen that fast. Wow. How does that make you feel as a recruiter when it's those kind of turnaround times? Brilliant. Mm. Amazing. So do you still feel you have that buzz then, that kind of, oh, 100%. Yeah, 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 100%. But contrary, you know, contradictory to what I've just said, you do get sort of three, four month processes on things Mm. that it might be a niche diet, um, a niche search within the technology world. And you might be looking for a, somebody that there's only four or five people in Singapore, but you yeah. want to hire that person on a six-month contract yeah. and want to pay them you know, 25% lower than what they would get somewhere else and seven days annual leave, et cetera. So it, it, can, it can really be mm. both ends of the spectrum, but typically it's this side. What, what kind of roles are coming out? What's sort of driving those particular contract roles in Singapore, for instance? 
as in well, if it's say, yeah, you know, why are contract roles coming up versus permanent, and what kind of job types are they? Just for I suppose perhaps candidates out there that are looking at transitioning from permanent to contract, or their returnee uh, mums, you know, looking to get back in the workforce. What kind of jobs are out there for contract, and what do they look like? Everything really. So really? yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything. So um, typically, contracting's always been a junior market. So mm. I guess three, four, five k tops, yeah. um, which was the case up until sort of a couple of years ago. We're starting to see more appetite at the mid to senior end. So what we'd call the interim market. So finance managers, finance controllers, finance directors, IT managers, um, senior project managers. What, why is that than taking a permanent for organisations? The, look, there, there, there's. Okay, so there's there's obviously the there's a huge amount of startups in Singapore. There's a lot of companies downsizing, there's a lot of companies offshoring, there's a lot of companies who are going through that sort of transition. Um, and I think why there's such an appetite for more mid to senior candidates to come into the market on an interim basis is because of uncertainty, lack of confidence, risk of you know the, the company's going to move or we're going to put a number three into a number one role and number one might have to, you know, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. It gives so them that flexibility bit, yeah, then, doesn't it? It's a bit of a domino effect, but also a lot of companies now know that they can hire top talent on an interim basis for a, you know, for a six to 12 month period. Um, that was never the case sort of two, three years ago. No. Um, but also the candidate side as well. If people have been working in a, a big corporate for the last 15, 20 years and they've got an opportunity to earn a, you know, a relatively similar salary with no staff management headaches, yeah. then you know, you're know you going to be interested. So so it's not like the UK then where they're sort of inflated contracts. No, um, not yet. Not yet. We do you will think see it, that. Do you think absolutely. it will? Yeah, what, what, absolutely. Is that, you know, what are the reasons behind that then? Why do you think that will be quite similar to the UK? I think it's starting to become a... Um, starting to become a buyer's market. So a contract, a good contract candidate who may have done two or three interim assignments off the back of a permanent position will be hot in demand. And that person then will start being able to say, well, if you want to pay me this, I've got this offer down the road. Yeah. But forget, almost forget remuneration. You look at benefits and bonuses, yeah. completion bonuses, which might attach to a performance bonus. So we will, I think we'll start to see that next year um, or sort of later part of this year, early next year. So how does it look on a, cl on a client or an organisation's perspective? Does that mean that they can sort of get around any headcount? Sort of, you know, talk me through if I'm, you know, if I'm running an organisation and looking to, to kind of have a flexible workforce, how does that work from the whole headcount and sort of benefits, like you said, completion bonus? So... What's the benefit of me hiring a contractor versus a... It really depends what you need them for. You know, if you've got someone that's just resigned and there's a huge financial implication of not having a bum on the seat mm. the following week or the following two mm. weeks, you're going to be more accustomed to, to, to looking for a, for a contractor. Mm, good point. Um, the statement of work, there's sort of agency payroll, monthly payroll, day rate, fixed term contracts. There's a number of ways which you can slice and dice how that person would sit within the business. Um, typically, if they're on an agency payroll, they're not going to increase the headcount quota with right. the business, obviously. Right. Okay, so that's a huge benefit, isn't it? Yeah, but, yeah. It, but, it, but it really depends because what, what we now have is the... Historically, people would go, yeah, we'll, we'll just outsource that onto, onto an agency payroll. Whereas what we will see now is because there are companies who are um, suffering with 
EP versus local ratios, then companies will hire that person on a direct contract because it'll oh, go towards okay. their quotas. Got so, it. So what typically would have been, let's just put that on the agency payroll, still still is the case with a number of our, our key clients and businesses that we work with, but there is also an element now that actually we'll hire this person direct because that person will then count towards our headcount quota. Got it. Um, certainly in the technology world, that's that's definitely prevalent. Right. That's really interesting. I didn't mm. realize that. That's really good. Let, let, let me bring you back to, um, while I ask the question, you can quickly drink the coffee that Adele brought for us, which was very nice. Um, let's, let me bring it back to kind of the recruitment side uh, or recruiters that are listening. Um, from a sort of a KPI perspective, are they drastically different than a permanent recruiter? Honestly, we don't really have KPIs here. Oh, shut up. We yes, don't. You do. Honest to God, we don't. Do. We, don't we don't. We don't. I kid you not. We, and this seems to be a common thing when we've interviewed people. Yeah. That people will say, oh, I've heard Morgan McKinley's KPIs are this and that. And we're sitting there, you know, Gurdjie and I are like scratching head going, what? Really? <laughs> what Who's been saying what this? Are those words no, look, we, we have metrics. So, yeah. you know, we'll look at client meetings, we'll look at sort of CVs out and mm. spec CVs, but we're quite mature in the way we do it, right? So if if a consultant's drowning in jobs, we're not going to target them with going to meet 15 client right. meetings the following week. Right, so pretty sensible around it. Very sensible, very sensible. But you know, th- what's good about our business, certainly on the contract side, is people know the expectation. And, you know, we've been thankful that one, two, three, four, five, six, have all done at least two, two and a half years service. Right. Um, and built quite healthy payroll b- books as well. Right. Um, you know, they're, they're looked after. They feel like it's a mature environment where they can sort of have that flexibility. Because that's harder for a contract recruiter to walk away, right? Let's be honest. It's harder it for them is. to walk away from a book than a... For those that are maybe looking at moving into contract recruitment, yeah. the good thing about a contract recruiter is obviously they've got you know money coming through because they've yeah. got a healthy book of revenue coming through, right? So it is. Um, you know, we 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 don't we don't sort of decommission people if you don't hit a certain. You know, it's not a continuity of you have to do this every single month right so not to say that they would rest on their laurels but Mm. you know we do fixed term contracts we do uh, sow stuff we do big placements more placements it it, it all counts to one um but we're a big believer in you know providing that mature platform that if people you know if people want to book a meeting Mm. out in changi and 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 work the rest of the morning on the laptop in a coffee shop they can do if they want to do it in the afternoon they can do it's just about being sensible however if somebody wasn't performing, performing yeah. then the, the first thing that we would look at it's is sack them. It, <laughs> <laughs> Andrea Jesus oh sorry I thought it's I was back at Robert Walters again then sorry <laughs> um, now we look we, we, we would we would always have a conversation but thankfully we've not really had to do that with anybody just yet so yeah and good. I've been here four years good you mentioned before about the skills to be a a good contract recruiter yeah mm. Um, sort of been nimble and um, been able to turn around things quickly but how can someone that's maybe thinking of either moving into contract recruitment or is looking to get better as a contract recruitment how on earth do you try and learn how to be better at all those things like what what's made what do you think that or even if it's kind of sort of training things that you've done with your guys that just seems to make that to, to help them upskill in that mm. area well I, I never came from a contract background um, do you know what? A lot of it is a lot of it's common sense. Mm. People think because you've got different calculations and annual leave entitlement and skills development levy. Yeah, it sounds really complicated. There's, there's really me. these different components. People go, oh, it's, yeah, it's not it really just isn't. a good Excel spreadsheet really with a lot isn't. of formulas in it. it. It's not even that. It's not <laughs> right. even that. Um, okay. 
But that turnaround time, though, I mean, that's different than a perm recruiter. It really, it, that it is, is very, very it, different. It is. When you say put turnaround time, do you mean turnaround time on a job or turnaround time to learn Turn, contracting? No, turnaround time on a job. Turnaround time on a job, again, as I said earlier, it could, it could be in that sort of one to two week bracket, mm. which, you know, we'd like to think more often than not it is in, with, with yeah. a range of our placements, but we do get the two, three, four month ones yeah. that we've been working on. They've changed the brief. and Okay, but then again, a consultant's then got to learn both of those skills. They've got to be patient enough to ride out the longer Correct. cycles like a perm recruiter, but Correct. then they've also got to be able to be flexible to quickly switch. Because mm. I'm, I'm, for those listeners that aren't aware, I did contracting in London for three years with Michael Page and I thought I was a really great recruiter, came out to Singapore and switched to permanent. And I think my first 40K offer was my, 30, was my first rejected offer because you just switching even from, yeah, yeah, I really did. <laughs> my ego is completely smashed. Um, so again, it's, it's a bit like contract to permanent, permanent to contract recruiters. That switch, they are different competencies. They are different, they are. Different. They are. But I think... You just have to you just have to ride the wave in the unlikely situation that you do work a job that's going to be you know a longer process. Mm. It is what it is. But someone out there that's listening that's perhaps in a small recruitment firm doesn't have necessarily people around them that can train them or a company's looking to get into contracting. What could they be doing self help wise or even you know externally to just you know sharpen those sharpen those skills? Good question. Um, I think look if people if people are working in a in a smaller business with you know little infrastructure mm. to to do that they need to make a decision on what they want to do long term you know I know plenty of people in boutique firms who do very well yeah um who have got no interest in joining a Morgan McKinley or Robert Walters no. or Michael they Page don't need Hayes. the tools they like, don't need the tools yeah. they, they do it themselves but um but you also get people in 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 boutiques who are often more senior than these people that go mm. actually do you know what I, ca- I kind of want a career now I mm. want to do something where we've got that infrastructure, where we've got that investment, even though I've got my own client base and my own portfolio mm. and I know what I'm doing. People, you know, th- there is, the, and we interview them all the time, you know, people who are coming from boutiques who just say, look, you know, I- I'd like something that's a little bit more long-term rather yeah. than it. I might be great now, but if I have two bad months, I could be out the door. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Singapore is not, it's it's, a, it's an okay place to, to recruit at the minute. Mm. Um, it's not how it used to be. It's not brilliant. Yeah. There are a lot of companies, sort of smaller firms who are shutting down or, you know, there's there's huge uncertainty or yeah. know, beasted for KPIs, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so we do interview those people. My, my advice would be if it is that you wanted to do, if you want to get into contract recruitment and mm. want to do it properly, you're probably better off joining one of the big players. Mm. Or if you wanted to do sort of set up an interim desk where you kind of do perm and a bit of contract. Yeah, that was a question I was going to ask you, actually, because yeah. I know that's something that in the early days of Robert Walters, we kind of had a, I don't know what the right word is, quasi or double T, I don't know what the right word is to use here, where we'd have consultants doing perm, but also would tag on contract and it it just didn't work. Mm. We really did need a dedicated team because when you're going out to clients, they just, everyone just sold permanent because it was quicker, easy fix. We can never build a book that way. Yeah. This is not, not IT that was already established, but it's kind of non IT. I'm keen to hear your thoughts on that uh, because obviously you're standalone now. Yeah. If, if you've got recruitment firms out there and I know you probably don't really want to help them, but Hey, you're on my podcast. So you have to help the other recruitment firms that are listening. <laughs> <laughs> I love you're it. Oh, I love it. Um, for those that are thinking, of maybe building a contract desk don't do it and competing against you guys don't do it it. is it is it wise to initially start off with the consultants doing permanent contract or just completely start a fresh completely new desk and build that like what's the what's the pros and cons 
Talent Talk Asia is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. Visit vincere.io forward slash Talent Talk Asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast. It's a double-edged sword, mm. it really is. Because what you'll find with, to, set, to purely set a contract desk up requires investment. In what way? As in, you need capital to pay your contractors, right? So if you're going to have, let's say you've got 15 contractors on your payroll, you need to payroll those contractors before you get paid. Not a lot of companies have that. It's a lot of money. Yeah, especially if, you, and especially if you're going on the interim side where you, your candidate's probably going to be Not 150, yeah. 200 grand a year. You so you've got to have, have a really strong back. balance sheet then. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. Um, so that's why people will say, well, if you're a permanent person, you can start doing some contract mm. because you, you, the, the, the money coming in complements and is able yeah. just to do that. The downside to it is, as you say, people are always going to focus on perm because it's yeah. a quick fee yeah. rather than hiring somebody on a contract where you might only get $2,000 per month and it takes a long time to build. So you've got to be a pretty established business beforehand before venturing into it as opposed to so. maybe just launching contracts. Yeah. But there's, there's lots of companies out there that say, you know, we want to launch contracts and we want to do this. Will you, you know, will you come in and set it up for us? And yeah, yeah, there's, but I don't for see about the, five million. Yeah, I don't. See, I don't <laughs> see the value if you're not in it now. Yeah, and you're not doing it properly. You you're behind the times for right. me. Okay. Um, and well, it depends on the industry though. If you're looking, if, it, if it's it an industry that's not maybe the banking and finance or IT, but it's renewable energy or it's wind turbines, all the things but I don't know lot, anything about. We we toyed with the idea of doing uh, the renewable energy space, mm. but we're behind the times. Yeah. So because there's so many big players. Yeah, you know absolutely. the Spencer Ogden's, the Earthstreams, etc. Yeah. These guys are established. Yeah, you know these guys are established businesses. Yeah. So, um, so, so I think whatever market you're trying to get into, there'll always be a huge market that you're going to compete with. Um, just whether you put an in is, is whether you launch something that's quite niche though, whether it's a specific job type or a specific possibly, service that that's work. different than anyone else, that right? Could work. Or, or or location wise, you know, Myanmar or places where people haven't necessarily got huge traction in, right? You could do. The, the challenge with Southeast Asia is Singapore is 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 probably the most mature out of every country. Mm. You know, we've been asked to do contract work in Vietnam, in in Bangkok, in Myanmar, in Indonesia. And how's that? We just said it's you know low rate, low low sort of low margins. Low margins, yeah. Low, you know, we don't really have the talent pool because we don't know them. I suppose also and they're the all visas and stuff like that's probably a, bit yeah, of a very, challenge, very, isn't very it? difficult. Very, but very. But then difficult. there's an opportunity there for someone that is in that yeah. market that is based in those yeah. markets that could do it, right? So yeah. I suppose it's all that side. Um, I'm keen to know kind of what does a typical week look like for a contract recruiter <laughs> versus you know lots of cuddles in the morning with each other oh. and high fives after you've done all that in the morning. What do you guys... Oh, God, what, never, a dull, like? never, never a, dull a dull moment. Talk, never a dull talk, moment. Talk me through some... Yeah, well, talk me through what that looks like and maybe some interesting stories so people know what the difference is on contract and perm. So it's always nice to have a week plan or a day plan. Mm. This is what I need to do and tick it off. There's a, there's a mental tick in the box at the mm. end of the day to go, yeah, the, the tick list is done. We can go home now. Yeah. That never happens with us. Right. You might come in and... You know, you get two jobs that get called in that require urgent shortlists. Your plan goes out the window. Okay. Or you might be out to a client and the client says, we need, uh, you know, we need somebody for next week. Can you help us out? It, it could be a range of different things. 
So you find it on your phone on the way back from meetings then you're then just messaging people that could do the roll call and it's it's that fast paced. Yeah. Pretty wow. much, okay. pretty much. Some of the guys have got delivery consultants and junior consultants, some of the more experienced and senior ones. We need this for They're this They're just client. turning that around yeah. quickly. They go um, out and get the business, they'll quickly speak to the candidate back in the office. Yeah, that makes sense. We've got, we've got sort of a regimented process with our hot lists and how we're mm. sort of set up. So we've got strong relationships with, with all our key contractors and candidates. So we know who's coming to an end, who's doing what, who's right, doing... Right, so you can then shift them over to another yeah. role if they're finishing up and stuff. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, yeah, yeah. so weekend day plan never gets ticked off. <laughs> very rarely, very very rarely. I like that. And everyone's ready for a beer on Friday. That's for sure. Yeah, I bet. What 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 would you say are some of the challenges you tend to face being a contract recruiter or the guys out there? What do they what do they tend to sort of face in that role and how do they overcome it? There's look, there's still although there's an appetite for contracting both from the candidate market and the client space. There's there's still a huge stigma attached to permanent roles in Singapore. Still? Yeah, still. Right. There's, you know, there's, there's a lot of candidates that we will have in interview processes that will end up getting a perm job. It's very difficult to compete that with that unless mm. they have said that they want to do a contract role yeah. and only a contract role, yeah. which some people do, but not, not everybody. Um, in the tech world, it's, you're competing with huge salary increments. Um, people, they're a lot more pe- project led though aren't they not Are always they? not no. always you know strong developers strong applications guys um, data science is, is right there you know, that's the big one at the moment isn't it yeah they're, they're three core areas where people know their worth and if you want somebody to do a 6 to 12 month interim assignment then they're going to be looking for 30-40% hikes wow. whereas you try and you try and talk to a HR professional Mm. that your candidate wants 30, 40% high. It's not in the box. It's, it's, the box says 10%. Cannot. 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 <laughs> um, so so we, do, we do often face challenges in there mm. because there's always going to be someone out there, whether it be a startup, whether it be an SME. They'll pay it for a short term, right? Will, and they'll pay 50. Yeah. We've placed people on 60, 70, 80% pay rises. Yeah, yeah, so. Within data science? Yeah. God, that's crazy. So don't do, don't do contracting, get into coding. Yes. No, I tell my kids that. This is one question that I was really keen to ask you. One of the biggest challenges that I faced when I ran Robert Waters in Singapore was the relationship between the perm desk and the contract desk. And I've got to say, I did spend quite a few long meetings, conflicted meetings between perm and contract, just fighting over, you know, um, whether it was, yeah, just the fee splits and, Mm. um, just maybe how the terms and conditions were put together and, you know, there were grey areas and it was just, con- it was at that, at that time, I'm sure it's completely sorted out now. Um, it was, it was a challenge. Do you guys face the same, the same, the same problems? Uh, we have done in the past, mm. certainly over the last couple of years, you wouldn't believe me if I told you that no, but also the permanent contract collaboration with the banking team, with sort of Amy Wilson's world, with Dan Cooper's world, yeah. with Naren's world, is is brilliant. So how how do, how did you achieve that? So when I first joined, Gerge had already implemented anything twelve month fixed term contracts and below would be would be us. Oh, okay. Anything twelve months and one day would be perm, right? So if a job comes in, it's twelve months. Yeah. It's it's us. If it's twelve months in a day or. An yeah. eighteen-month contract it'd be for perm. That that was a huge, you know. And I, I've I know businesses out there that it's you know because if it's twelve-month payroll, it would be the contract team. If yeah. it's twelve-month fixed-term yeah. contract, it'd be the perm team. My my view on that is if you if you're looking at the same talent pool, you're duplicating workload. Yeah. Right? So 
that was already implemented when I came in. But couldn't you as a consultant just push the client to say it was 12, it was 11 months or it was... Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but everything's tracked on our system. So if, you know, if, if, if there's emails going out... Right, it's, so you'd see that documentation yeah. from the we client. Don't, we, don't, we don't have those, you know, we're not, okay. we're not that sort of business. Um, look, we've had things... Quite collaborative then. Massively, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, always communicating, always collaborating, as Gerge would like to say. Um, no, it's it's it, it it is actually we don't really have any issues to be fair. Um, you can see why there ha- well, there, e- there yeah, are issues with other firms, absolutely. right? Yeah, but I think a lot of other firms have. It, it depends if if you've got a really really strong contract consultant on the desk and it's a mm. relatively mature desk, mm. you're going to try and bend the rules a little bit to keep that person interested and keep that person mm. happy, mm. Um, and you know, understandably why you do that. But I think from our perspective, what, what have we faced? Um, you know, if it's a, if, a if, if, so what does happen is if a contract consultant goes out and picks a job up, they say we'll take a contract person or we'll take a perm person. Yeah. That does happen. Yeah. We will look at that internally and go, right, who's best place to work that job? Mm. If you want to send a couple of your perm guys and we'll send a couple of contract guys, mm. because the collaboration's so good, yeah. we're able to sort of, you know, work it out if it's a um but it always comes to the candidate though doesn't it if if you've got a candidate that both are available immediately that will look at contracts and perm, that's where the fights happen we'll send the immediately available ones you would send the available right okay that's the line that makes sense if the perm consultants are talking to immediately available people and sending them and we're not aware they're fired (laughs) (laughs) you must be brutal as a boss jesus i'm just having fun (laughs) it's that coffee it's kicked in now um for those sort of potential clients out there that are looking to hire a contractor versus a permanent hire, I think we've already talked about that. Yeah, always hire a contractor. <laughs> always hire a contractor. So what, what sort of piece of advice would you give our listeners on how to best service your existing contract book, your how contractors? You so you've got contractors that are working for you that are on your payroll. Yeah. How would you guys or how do you go about servicing them? How do you um, make sure they stay in their contracts, that they continue to work through Morgan McKinley as opposed to going to other agencies? Like how on that service level? Because I think mm. that's really, I think it's, it's, it's very different than a permanent permanent placement where you meet them for a lunch after a month, you know, six weeks, two months, whatever. Um, contract's very different. You've got to ensure they stay in that role. Yeah. Um, so talk, talk me through what, what new things or what things have worked for you guys. So we've got a contractor experience uh, team. Mm-hmm. So essentially, and I guess just to avoid consultants getting involved in unnecessary admin, etc as much as contracting as admin heavy anyway. Yes. So we, we've got um, somebody who's, for me, phenomenal. Um, she supports the consultant so that the placement would get made. That person would then do the, some of the onboarding, make sure the contract signed, make sure that person knows how much annual leave they've got, what their insurance entitlement is, pass them the insurance card, send them an email on the first day, you know, welcoming them to the the family if you like okay um so they sort of feel that they're part of morgan mckinley than just the organization that they're on site with yeah and then that 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 person would make sure they send regular emails on timesheets anything that is not submitted with a timesheet maybe a supporting document will make sure that gets sorted but also the consultants are regularly meeting these guys anyway so it's almost like a double touch point process okay um and that's that's something that we're looking to to grow this year and probably next year to, to hire one or two more people into that space really as nice. we sort of get more and more contractors and well, what do you see the future of your contract business um 
I think we're definitely in the right market. So the projects and change world is, is a really buoyant space. The technology world is a, is a buoyant space. Banking, people say banking's dead. Banking's been really, really busy for yeah. us. Kane, the lad who runs That's that space. That's because there's nothing on the perm side for anyone. Yeah, exactly. All they've got to deal with internal HR. It's killing people. <laughs> yeah, so Kane, who runs that world, has, has done a really good job for us. And then, you know, there's there's a huge appetite in the commerce and industry world for, you know, more more in sales and marketing, more in mm. finance and accounting, mm. more in HR, more in supply chain and procurement. Um, do you think more Singaporeans, will, especially the youngsters coming up, would prefer to do contract? This kind of flexible kind of do you know see what I want to go into first job kind yeah. of yeah the millennial yeah. culture yeah um, you know we, we we do place a lot of people at the more junior end who've mm. got sort of one to two years experience and is it startups they generally prefer to go no, to or not, they will not look always, at big corporates not always not always um, you know pe- pe- there is there's definitely that appetite there um, it, it will just be amplified over time mm. um, do we see us going into new markets possibly possibly um, but it has to be right. It has to be the right person leading it and sort of running it. Um, we we want to be sort of market leaders in what we do mm-hmm. and just do it do it well. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ask me how much percentage of the market we've got across the entire space, probably less than 10. Mm. But we do very well in the markets that we're yeah. in. So yeah. <clears throat> there's a huge appetite there. So you've to, still got to growth sort of there. 100%. Yeah. yeah. What... Um, how do you sort of personally or even your, your team kind of keep ahead of trends? I mean, we're talking through the market at the moment and obviously that's so useful when you're talking to candidates and clients, but how do you, how do you absorb information? How do you be able to articulate that back to clients and candidates? What are the kind of things that you and your team do that would be really interesting for the listeners out there? I think just you've always got to be in touch with the market. Um, even when I've sort of interviewed people before and say, you know, what, what's going on in your market? Um, taught me through some some movers, taught me through what these sort of banks are doing, taught me through this type of technology. People always rely on the the the, the, the general, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. They'll talk about oh, how can I position this? Um, you know, the banking world is dead. Would be something quite generic. When yeah. actually, there's some banks that are really really busy. Yeah. You know, the asset management world, the sort of all the stuff happening in Hong Kong, coming back. Yes, you know, of there's, course. There's, there's little things like that that, yeah. that people never really talk about. Um, so we're, we're sort of on top of that. We're talking to that with our clients and candidates all the time. Um, and we're quite nimble. So we're privately owned, as, as you know. Mm. So if we see a huge spike in technology, we can hire people and redeploy people internally into mm. the tech world. Mm. If we see a huge spike in the projects world, we can, we can do that. There's a lot of businesses that are, I wouldn't say the word stuck in the mud, but th- there's businesses out there that don't have that luxury, even though they are privately owned, because mm. there might be somebody that's particularly tied to that business. So we essentially, we will move with the times, if that makes so sense. So to collect that information, then, is this when your guys are having lunches or coffees, meeting mechanics and clients, they, they're, they're asking way more open-ended questions than perhaps yeah. normal, just, yeah. to col- just to collect, collect, collect. Mm. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that's the one it's thing, isn't it? You know, yeah. you, you, there are too many. There are too many robotic conversations, I feel. Yeah. Um, I it, sense it yeah. when I walk in here, there's a real buzz. It's, it's such a warm... You feel that culture straight yeah. away. When I, you know, just me talking to Gurge this morning and looking at the floor, it's just, there's a lot of warmth there. Everyone's just sort of milling around and it's just, you can see the, how that must translate to client-candidate relationships and stuff. Totally That's a good plug for you there, wasn't it? Mm, that thank was a you. really nice plug. Cheers. Yeah, Gurge, I like that. Got good coffee out of it and lots of cuddles this morning, yeah. so I think it's worth it. Yeah. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to share with the listeners out there about contracts, about the contract business? Um, As a kind of final... 
I think we covered most things, to be fair. We did. We did cover we quite a lot, quite didn't we? Quite a lot there. Um, yeah, I, mean, I guess, look, to summarise, it is, it is going to continue growing. Mm. Um, I think it will become a buyer's market more and more over mm. the next one to two years with annual leave entitlement and bonuses and all the, all the various components. Like to encourage Singaporeans yeah. to look at contract yeah, and just absolutely. thinking that, that they should just be schooling, looking for permanent roles. Yeah. Because, you know... We, we always use the phrase that if you do it, let's say you're immediately available, right? And you do a, an interim position for, I'll give you a real life scenario. There was a, there was a candidate that we dealt with who has got a lot of IT experience, um, very little finance, but wanted some finance experience, mm. um, was earning X. We got him a 25% pay rise, even though he didn't have any finance experience wow. to do a 12 month contract. Right. He completed that 12 month contract, learned some finance experience, and then he's going to be a finance business partner right. with, I think, another 15% on top of that. So right. he's increased his salary 35% over 12 months. Right. Natural inflation. So he's it. kind of become qualified by experience by being yeah. on the job and learning yeah. it through that yeah. way, as opposed to yeah. he would never have got that opportunity. Nope. So, so for individuals that are looking to perhaps getting to an area that they're not 100% qualified in, there could be some opportunities for people to do that. Yeah. So typically with... The reason why contracting moves quite fast is because there's a need, mm. okay? So you need to be bum on seat in mm. a week's time or we need this because there's a project about to go live or somebody's gone on maternity leave and we need somebody to pick this up. So th- there's, a, there's a range of reasons. So companies are a lot more open to taking people with maybe 60% like for like skill set, mm. but that person might have relevant industry experience and be immediately available. Yeah. So they'll go, yeah, we'll take this person, we can train box. the rest. Mm. On the perm side, because it's a little bit slower, they want 80, 90, sometimes yeah. even 100% like yeah. for like. Yeah. So that's 60% they can learn the additional 30 or 40 and then yeah. take that into something else. Um, and, you but know, for you, talent shortages, it's a, You can it's increase your salary significantly, significantly mm. over the next couple of years. Um, now, again, that's not for everybody. No. People often want to stay and they're happy with mm. doing what they do. But you get people on the other side, mainly the, the sort of rise of millennial culture. I want this, I want that, I want mm. to be here, I want this title, I want that, yeah. I want this bonus, yeah. um, that will be open to that because it offers a different route yeah. to, to sort what of What about go. the whole visa situation in Singapore at the moment? Is that still Ooh, quite hard? You're is opening the kind of worms there. Um, but is it still a bit of a challenge to, to get? So, so Sometimes. It, do you know what? It really depends on the business. Right. If the business is top-heavy foreigners... Yeah, it's going to then be a challenge, it, which is fair enough. Irrespective of how good the candidate is, they're not they're not going to get anything. Right, okay. Um, but there are companies out there with with great quotas, and that's why I said to you earlier. Typically, what would go on an agency payroll, we although that is still there. Yeah, we do have a lot of clients now, certainly in the commercial sectors, that will put the person on their own payroll because it goes for the for the quotas. Got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I suppose in a nutshell, is for. Singaporeans out there or PRs, then there's lots of opportunities on the contract side than just looking at, at permanent roles. And for those recruiters that are out there that are looking at making a switch, there, there's obviously another career path for, for, for contract. Like you were saying before that, you know, you don't have to be just doing a 360. It could be a, just a pure delivery. Could be pure While delivery, someone's could be learning how to kind yeah. of get that whole 360 experience, that's another sort of career path for people, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah. they've got to be patient to kind yeah. of wait for the money, the sort of money to rise. I mean, you, I'd, you I'd just like to last, lastly end on that that one if that's okay for con- contract recruiters that look at perm and sort of think oh gosh am I going to earn as much money as a perm recruiter because I've got to wait months and months for my book to grow talk me I don't want to know it obviously confidential information but well I would actually but I know you're not going to give it to me um 
how can you how do you sort of persuade those contract recruiters to stay in it okay i'll give you a snippet right so <clears throat> typically in most recruitment businesses you have to hit a threshold before you get paid mm-hmm. right what we do is we will give commission kickers while you're growing your payroll book i won't go into what they are um, but we will basically reward somebody even though they're essentially making us a loss, mm-hmm. okay? Because we want to invest in that person. Mm-hmm. Once they reach a certain certain number, mm-hmm. we'll then move them onto our perm scheme, which is incredibly lucrative. Um, and there are sort of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of my guys on that scheme. Right, okay. So, so they've sort of transitioned through. Right. We looked after them, and now they look yeah. after us. But you have, got to, you have got to be able to retain them all the way through that, right? Because yeah, I look at the perm you, people you and go, oh, they're getting their monthly, quarterly bonus. I've got to wait a little bit longer. So it's a certain type of person then, isn't it? You've almost got to look at it long term. If, yeah. if, if you want to get into contract recruitment for, for a quick win, it, it ain't the no. right thing. It, yeah. it really isn't. If you're wanting to build something over two mm. to three mm. years plus, yeah. then it, it absolutely is. And it becomes easier then, doesn't it? it? From a Not easier, but financially, it's financially, a lot more stable when yeah. you've built your book and absolutely. you can maintain that absolutely. book and grow it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and as I say, we don't, maybe we should to be fair, but we don't target people on growth, but because the expectation's there that people make three, four deals a month anyway, it's it's not, it's it's never really an issue. Um, And ultimately that, that revenue's coming in. So they've built that. Yeah. You know, so why should they not be rewarded is is the way we would look at that. Interesting. um, Really interesting. Well, I I think for all listeners out there that are interested in the contracting as a whole topic, I think we've left left us with some really great information. So I really appreciate your time today. Thanks very much. Have a great day. No problem. You too. Keep those cuddles. Bye. Thanks. You have been listening to Talent Talk Asia podcast by The Career Establishment. To learn more about The Career Establishment, our people and our latest thinking, visit us at www.thecareerestablishment.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook.